0: At Meridian Audio, we deliver extraordinary experiences. We create moments that bring people together, forge shared connections and make unforgettable memories. Don't just take our word for it. Experience audio as it's meant to sound. With a visit to our Cambridgeshire HQ, it's the home of Hi-Res Audio.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Integrated Home. My name is Jeff Hayward and I'm delighted to welcome you to this latest podcast that's produced by the Home Integration Community for the Home Integration Community. Today we're looking at the changing nature of the home integration sector. Where has the industry come from? Where is it now? And where is it going? How does this evolution affect how integrators do business and what are the implications for the value that the industry places on the services it provides? We'll also be looking at the challenges of dealing with customers from different age groups and different nationalities. Welcome to the Integrated Home. Today we're podcasting from the home of pod supporter Meridian Audio. We're in the media room at the company's Cambridgeshire HQ, a great demo facility that's definitely worth experiencing for yourself. I'm joined today by two CDM members, Soan Pereira from Link Media Systems and Henry Shepherd of Cornflake. Welcome to you both.
2: Hello, hi.
1: Soan, can you tell us a little bit about your background and Link Media Systems? I've
2: been doing this for about 25, 30 years or so—a very long Don't time. do look old. You do um, look old absolutely, look old enough. But. Um, I come I started off as a, in a retail environment business which then evolved into a custom install business at the time and then sort of um I was working for then a company and then I moved on around 1999 and formed uh, LMS which is Link Media Systems now and uh, we specialize in custom install in several verticals and uh, it's been our 20th year this year, so Congratulations. we're still alive. <laughs> yeah,
1: and Henry, what about you?
0: So, slightly different <coughs> yeah. timescale. Um, I've been at Cornflake for three years now, running new business and our, our marketing side as well. Previous to that, I was working in software sales, um, business to business, um, uh, business process management software, which was a software as a service.
1: And Cornflake, for anybody who doesn't know what Cornflake's about, what's the...
0: Cornflake, uh, I've been in the AV or integration world for a good 35 years now, starting in hi-fi and moving into custom integration in the last 10 to 15 years.
1: Excellent. And as a relative newcomer, what's your view on how people of your age profile look at smart home technology?
0: Ah, an interesting question to start with. My age profile of custom integration is not massively known if I'm perfectly honest. Most of our customer base are obviously slightly older than myself um, being 29 mainly because of the cost implications um, and the home, o- home ownership. I'm also a London based person so I don't see a lot of fl- home ownership in my age group so the, pretty much what people know is IOT devices and that's the limit of what they can do. However they love what they ha- have seen, it's very much hands on, everyone wants to get involved with voice assistants, especially messing around with them with uh, applications where you can obviously have things like your lights turning different colours for when your pizza's in the oven. So that's kind of the limit that I've been seeing in my age group outside of the industry.
1: Do you think there's a perception in, in uh, your age profile that everything should be available and free?
0: Um, Yes, to an extent, to an extent. Or indeed wireless, actually. Uh, Wireless, yes, 100%, um, because everybody's so used to everything being wireless. Um, Grown up with mobile phones for the majority. um, Grown up with wireless laptops for the majority. Um, Dial-up is a thing of the past. Um, Wired speakers for most people is also a thing of the past. Um, I don't know many people that still operate with hi-fi systems outside of our industry bubble.
1: So most customers at Cornflake, over 30?
0: Yes, majority. Of yeah. course there are some outliers, as with any sample group, but the majority of our customer base is, is definitely 35 plus.
1: What about for you, in Same sort of situation, quite a mature age group of customer that you're dealing mm, uh, with?
2: Probably in regards to sort of a residential, sort of single property residential business, um, I would certainly say The demographic is certainly well into the 40s and 50s, I would guess. Mm -hmm. We do have some young property developers occasionally come to us, and that's more for a sales reason and choice than for particularly looking to add technology to their own systems. So they see that as added value, uh, our services, and that's what it is. But mostly, I would say certainly the higher age group, we don't see a lot of the lower at all.
1: Um, and would you say that there's a greater acceptance, generally amongst all age groups, around where, what technology can deliver today?
2: I think so. The, I think the, there's two perspectives. I, I would certainly say the younger generation is looking for the new gadget or the new technology piece. And the older generation, I would say, is more looking for a lifestyle or ease of and convenience. Because our technology adds, has two sides to it, I think. It's the, all the gadgetry to it, which Hopefully, we as a business don't promote too much, certainly. Um, we're more on the, uh, on the side of the convenience, and you know, we can look at technology being overt or covert, and we certainly are back on the covert side, where that's what custom install is about making that whole sort of um, automation within your environment, but keep it very much in the background. And the user doesn't really need to see that part of it, but just simply interact with the technology in a simple manner.
1: Are you seeing any difference in the profile between men and women getting interested in the services that our industry provides? Um, no
2: big difference, I would probably say. Because certainly at our, that age group that we've just talked about, both um, male and female clients are looking for a convenience. So therefore, they're, they're not buying that next gadget like we used to in the old days of selling hi-fi. It was a very ma- much a man's thing of buying a hi-fi system. It's a very macho thing where he's nowadays it's not about buying a hi-fi system at all. It's about the convenience and the lifestyle and I think that attracts both, if, if anything, more of our private single clients do tend to be women who interact with us more, although they are the, both of them are the client. Our project teams deal more with the lady of the house than the other way around, I'd say.
1: So the days of the man cave are... For the past, are they?
2: Perhaps, perhaps. But
0: I would totally agree with what you're saying there. Um, the woman of the house is, is very, very important for us to appeal it's to. It's because
2: it's a design concept. So we, we are very much spending all our time trying to figure out how to design our technology into the infrastructure and the interiors and the where We are not trying to clash or fight them, but just sit in the background. And that always seems to be more driven by the lady of the house.
0: The importance of having the interior designer on side in this process is so important and and more often than not the lady of the house is the person that interacts with that 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 stakeholder the most.
1: Do you think that matches well to the the male dominated profile of the industry? Do you think integrators are very good at actually understanding their customer in that respect?
2: We have female and male staff and that is something that we've consciously made an effort to make sure that we have that diversity within us. I mean we're a slightly strange company I think we have like 19 different nationalities and the split of um, sort of uh, female to male is probably a 30-70 split but certainly a lot of our key people that actually design systems and interact are female as much as male.
0: I I personally think that as long as you have a of extremely consultative approach in the way that you're selling and understanding the needs of the client it's not necessarily whether you're male or female and who you're selling to it's it's understanding the needs and making sure you're you're diving down into that and if you can do that it doesn't really matter if you're
2: a guy or a girl yeah that we certainly don't make a conscious effort to put somebody yeah. in front of or we yeah. don't we don't vet our audience and try and put the right person in front of them that yeah. really you know it just seems to happen the way the project split but no real conscious decision on that part.
1: And you mentioned the nationalities you've got at, at LMS, Link Media Systems. What about dealing with different nationalities? Because in London, everybody's from a different culture and different background. Does that make selling or presenting the industry to them more challenging? It certainly is
2: more challenging because I think the cultural differences of purchasing choices and purchasing methods that different cultures have certainly are a challenge in london to understand them and you know you can get one nationality that doesn't even discuss price yeah and uh, that that's that's ideal customer yeah <laughs> we all want those <laughs> uh, we got more of them but then the flip side is that you'll have um, certain nationalities that start and focus from that point on. They don't even ask for what they want. They'll start by asking you how much discount you're going to give them. (laughs) And I I think it's not a bad thing, and you shouldn't look at it as a negative, but just be aware, and I think be more aware of who you're dealing with and understand their cultural differences. And even if you look at London as a whole, where a majority of our business is done, the nationalities that we see are probably... One, ha- yeah, one hand. One hand. So you have mostly a lot of Russian clients, a lot of Arab clients, a lot of Indian clients, and a lot of Chinese clients now. And then the rest is made up of all sorts of other European nationalities. But the full key, because they are the ones that are buying property in London. and uh, Their driving their
0: factors are all very different as Correct, well. Yeah. Some, some <coughs> may be looking for service afterwards and some may just be looking for <laughs> that initial uh, technology integrations and understanding True. where those drivers are is so important te- when discussing
2: with the stakeholders. Yeah, but the one important thing here though working with different nationalities is that we find that Those nationality uh, Multicultural clients that we have are non-resident clients right. And this for us certainly they're m- mostly investors who probably spend a week maybe yeah. Two a year in their properties. Yeah. So, therefore, they make choices very differently to a resident client who actually is going to live in that house. What sort of differences? I suppose they don't put to, uh, enough, or they don't put a lot of emphasis on how the system functions. They'd like to put marquee things into their yeah. projects because they like to, sh- so it's, it's, a, it's a statement, I want to show it off, I've got something. Mm bigger, better, or brighter, and smarter than the next person. Whereas if somebody is going to live there, then they're going to come for me from a slightly different angle and say, how do I live this lifestyle, and how am I going to use it? How am I going to interact with it day in and day out? And it is challenging for us to create systems that people use only once a week. <laughs> Simply because <laughs> once a year, <laughs> once a year, so not once a week. Sorry, once a year. When actually you don't know if they'll remember how to use it when they come back. So yep. making those systems really simple and intuitive is a hugely important thing for us to be able to do. Because you, it, and the second thing is actually maintaining those systems and being able About to come 100%. back and look after them. So we always say to these clients: Make sure you we have a uh, good maintenance agreement with us and get their agents to call us a week prior to them l- arriving in London so we can do a full check of the system and make sure everything is working because yeah. somebody switched something off and they come in and they can't turn their lights on or their heating doesn't work or their alarm system's not We're the activated. first ones to get the call. Correct. So yeah. rather than take <laughs> the call... We do exactly the same thing. We, <laughs> we don't want that be, call. <laughs> we'd rather be proactive and do yeah. a t- check of those systems for them. And they don't need a great maintenance agreement because we know they're not going to call us out 20 times a year. It's that, you know, we'll check the system once a year, but more importantly, do those proactive checks on the very rare occasions, they do come into town.
1: And and from a business perspective, Henry, I I guess that some clients want to do business with you in a different way.
0: In terms of the the contract and what we're doing for them, I can very much echo that some uh, jobs is very much focused on the service side of things and how we're going to set up, but only pay for a limited period of time rather than over the full year. Uh, and very much driving factor for most of our foreign clients is that service side now and we're seeing that trickle down through the architects interior designers and uh, developers that are talking to us and it's becoming the key focus
1: does it help as well having business that's overseas so you're more understanding of where these cultures are coming from i mean do you do work overseas
0: yeah we've got we've got work overseas we Most of it has come from because we've done such a good job for a client in London and then Mm. we've gone out to various other places. So we're actually normally implementing the same system wherever it is we're going. So it then feeds back into what they're doing
2: here. Mm. But yeah, we understand it to an extent.
1: And uh, uh, Link Media Systems, you're in India as well, aren't you? Yeah,
2: we've had an office in India since I think 2008 or thereabouts. So quite a long time now and it's Mm. a well-established base for us. And um, it works well. You know, it's, a, it's a different market. We do different things there. And it's not the same uh, diverse set of sectors that we would work with in the UK. Yeah, yeah. But certainly we do very high end residential and uh, hospitality mostly out there in India. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting challenge. But now established so really doesn't take a lot of looking after in that sense.
1: I guess the big point is that we're in a global... Marketplace, you know the the, yep. the people can come from anywhere. So you just got to be open-minded and and understanding of what's different. Absolutely, yeah. AWE
2: are proud distributors of Sony televisions and home cinema projectors, bringing you the best content from lens to living room. For more information,
1: visit awe-europe.com. So it's hot seat time. So, Anne, we're keen to find out a bit more about what makes you tick. Henry has the questions. Are you ready, Henry? I'm ready. Okay, let's go.
0: So, Anne, what job would you do if you were not an integrator? I'd be an architect.
1: What's the most amazing
2: product you've seen in the last two weeks, So, Anne? DSP 750. It is an amazing in-wall DSP speaker and uh, everybody should take a listen on that.
1: Who's that manufactured by?
2: I think it's manufactured by Meridian Audio. Which product of the last 10 years has most impressed you and why? Lighting control. Because I think we interact with lights, whether it's natural or artificial light, more than anything else. What is the best piece of advice you've ever had? Don't go bust.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What superpower would you most like to
2: have and why? Supervision. Because I could calibrate a video picture better than anything else. Nice.
0: What has been your single most memorable
2: industry experience? Listening to a Meridian 861 with room correction about 18 years ago. And finally,
0: you're hosting an industry come dine with me. Who would you choose as your three guests from the industry?
2: And what will you cook as your main dish for the evening? I I do love cooking and grilling and stuff like that. So I would probably have... Mountain, oysters, that's what Mountain noises. oysters. Trick <laughs> question, though. I don't know, <laughs> this is this is you know, I'm not, whoever you come up with, somebody else is gonna be upset about it. So I'm not <laughs> <answering this laughs> Barry Sheldrick, Capes, Patel, and That bloke at Cornflake. What's that guy's oh name? God. Gary, oh. Gary, Gary something, I can't yeah, I remember. So Gary's... <laughs> Something, but no, Gary I would Lewis. cook Gary Lewis. That's sure, him. absolutely, and I would probably cook a actually Ian Bolt. Oh,
1: Ian Bolt! Ian yes, yeah. so so we'll him We'll stop him out. We'll have,
2: oh no, we'll have four. Excellent, brilliant.
1: <laughs> the world of connected home technology is changing fast. Make sure you're ahead at the innovation curve with a visit to Integrated Systems Europe. The show takes place at the Rye Amsterdam, 11th to the 14th February 2020. Use registration code 434078 for free entry to the show. Visit isEurope.org. So 2019 marks the 30th anniversary of CEDIA, um, which many people would say effectively marks the birth of the professional home integration industry uh 30 years since 1989 um so and you've seen the industry grow and evolve over that time what's your recollection of the industry in its early days where did it come from do you think
2: i was there actually in 1994 in Yorkshire. i think it was in yorkshire somewhere that we had our first uh, what i think was called seti or something (laughs) back then and it was our first CDA event and it was basically very little to do. It was mostly small multi-room systems, I think, and then the advent of home cinema was the real catalyst for custom install and installations as a whole. I think back then, I used to remember, I think QED were the, and Lynn were the only two people who ever did a multi-room system, so everybody did a bit of both.
1: So it was very much driven by hi-fi and, and the advent of home cinema as a, yeah. a lifestyle choice yeah, that's clients. what
2: I. Would, that's my recollection, and then... Obviously, that then evolved into all the other systems of automation. I think lighting control was one of the other easy add-ons at the time. And then, you know, we've since there isn't a technology that we don't integrate anymore within the projects that we do, and that's quite exciting. And now we go beyond that to looking at analytics as much as just the technology and how people interact.
1: And Cornflake actually started off as a a hi-fi shop, didn't they?
0: We did indeed. For a very long period of time, we were uh, actually called Fitzrover AV and people would come and uh, listen to hi-fi in the mornings and have their uh, cereal. And then it was known as the cereal shop and then the Cornflake shop. So now we are Cornflake.
1: Yeah. And how far do you think it's moved since those hi-fi Days. what's what's the sort of business makeup of, of your customers these days?
0: Well um, I, if I don't say customers, but if I go sort of the what I see as the industry, I can certainly equate it to what I've seen in business as a whole over the, the last 10 years that I've, I've been in business and that's very much a shift to as a service model, um, moving to um, recurring revenue month to month uh, and working backwards to one time sales to support that revenue model. Um, I think it's one of the most important things that we have done is to keep our, our, our industry sustainable, and it has shifted in the last five years to do so.
1: And presumably there's, there's a, a real shift from having those old retail storefronts that were doing hi-fi sales and custom. So you must have seen that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the main reasons sort of I moved away and started Link Media Systems was simply for that reason, that you could not do our industry a service by being a retail outlet still and being able to deal with it. I think you, I thought you could wear both hats, but I don't think you really can. You need to focus on one or the other. And I think it's the distraction of running a retail business while trying to run a custom install business. They're two totally separate entities, I think, and totally different ways that you should look at them. I mean, and retail, whether you like it or not, especially with the advent of the whole internet and the online yeah. business, has just disappeared.
1: So it's moving away from selling products, effectively?
2: Absolutely. I mean, we, we don't, we like to think we don't sell products. We do. We like to think we sell a service first and foremost. And we were talking about it earlier with we were and just that discussing idea, yeah. that, you know, we are very much a service based industry and we should think of it that way and focus on it that way and not look at, somebody who just sells a service once they've sold a piece of hardware that goes with it it's actually the service and the hardware is the add-on to so support the service not the other way around which it used to be and it's a better experience <coughs> for any client to do it to do
0: it that way yeah absolutely because you're selling a, an amazing experience ongoing that you can then service down the line yeah much like the high street has moved away uh, from selling records to things like Spotify, where yeah, you're paying for as a service month on only month. Only a
2: couple of weeks ago, I was walking down Tottenham Court Road and reminiscing what it used to look like. Jeff, you probably remember Henry wasn't, what are you trying to say he so, wasn't born it? then. I'm not, sure <laughs> I, I'm not sure I was alive. So. Sure. But there is not a single we'll store that does what it used to back then, and it's all restaurants, 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 whereas all of those used to be hi fi shops.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay then, well, how do you put a price on an experience though? Easy to do a product, isn't it?
2: You, you don't. I think that's the, the beauty of it. You don't. It's, it's exponential. And it, it, it is what should make our industry grow, because if you don't put a price on it, it is what the customer wants. And they should be paying for that. Constantly Constantly enjoying new, yeah. new things
0: is something you want to keep paying for. Hmm, OK. It makes it a sliding scale
2: on, ongoing. Yeah. Because it's a long-term relationship. It's not a one-off install.
1: Okay, so it's part experience, part a relationship with a, a professional who can effectively look after them for Correct. a lifetime?
2: Agreed. We're probably one of the very few disciplines in the construction industry that have that space and it's, it's
0: very useful for us doing that because yeah. we do build those relationships with, with end clients that then means we can talk to the other um, industry uh, characters such as our interior designers and architects yeah. and talk to them about why this is important.
1: So being part of the construction industry now, whereas perhaps at the start it was seen as uh, the hi-fi industry, is actually helpful. You think to being in business today?
2: What well, thinking of ourselves as a construction yeah. side? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we certainly we don't see ourselves in being in any other industry other than the construction industry. It is what who we are. I mean, I've only and ever
0: seen it as that that <clears throat> way since I've been in
2: this. In this so it world. feels
1: completely natural for you. Yeah. Whereas yeah. 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 we've
2: seen that evolution yeah. happen of. We never ever heard of a contractor till sort of maybe the last 15 years or so. I mean, in the early days, it was just you, a customer called you, did something for them, and that was it. It was very rarely in new build. Mm-hmm. It was always in a retrofit or installs type scenario, whereas now almost all of our work is either in a total refurbishment or that. I, I don't know much where we ever do any retrofit stuff anymore.
1: I suppose the way the industry has matured that that actually... Um, we're we're in a we're in a place where there's there are still businesses that are hi-fi and and upselling to a bit of custom install for one-off clients, and there's companies like the Cornflake and the Link Media Systems where you're much more integral to the whole interior design architect contractor kind of construction industry process, and there's room now for people of all different types within the industry. Yeah, so great. that's fair? Yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. I think so. I mean, we, both of us are a bit blessed being in London because we attract more talent because people like to work in London and people outside of London may not have that much ability to attract the kind uh, of staff that we are lucky to get. Agreed, agreed. And I think it's almost
0: becoming a necessity for for, for us to be in one of those construction teams now. So we, and I think that's probably London based thing.
1: Does that put a squeeze on profit margins being part of the construction industry and payment schedules or is it easier, do you think?
2: I don't think it makes it any difference. It's just that you need to just fit into the way that the construction industry works and you, and you change your thinking of the business uh, from, I think we've talked about it as, you know, selling a product and then discounting a product. You don't look at it that way. You should look at it as doing a project with the service and the equipment that you would sell to the client and bring the two together and see how that sort of pans out, really. And you're, you're making an overall commercial decision that that project is worth doing as opposed to thinking of it as, you know, am I giving them a discount of X percentage? Mm. And that that is a very old school way of thinking of how you would do a project in our sort of our opinion, certainly. Would yeah.
1: you agree with that,
0: Henry? I, I would agree with it. And I, you know, we do see it that we are battling perhaps more to tender lines and uh, particular prices that we're given, given. But once you are working with a team that you are comfortable with, then they understand the ongoing value. Perhaps those margins aren't squeezed so much. You might have to do so to get your foot in the door for an initial relationship. But after, after that, I think everyone starts understanding the value.
1: And how easy um, is it to get into the MDU work that Link Media Systems now do? You mentioned that earlier.
2: How easy it is. I wouldn't say it's easy by any stretch of imagination. Mm. Doing it isn't easy, and I don't think getting into it is easy at all. And I know a lot of people who've tried it don't want to. I know you guys used to do a bit of MDU, and I'm not sure whether you do anymore. But we certainly still focus and do sort of a significant part of our business in MDUs. And but that's that's a conscious decision as a business we've made to be able to fit into that business model that helps us mm. commercially be yeah. viable within that space. Yeah, and we're we're sort of relatively different in
0: fact that we we don't aim to get to get involved with it. We may ask to be involved with it quite regularly and we will do so then, but we don't do any active development towards it. However, there's a lot of a lot of work in especially the communal areas that does seem to come through our, you know, our marketing and business development streams, even though we're not really necessarily
2: targeting it.
1: Yeah. What's different? How do you need to be geared up for it that's different to a, a normal integrator dealing with a one off
2: client? I think you need to be commercially geared up, the finance element of how you fund a project like that. You know, traditionally, you always, a client pays you and then you do the work. In that end of it, you don't, it doesn't work that way. You do the work then you get paid so (laughs) (laughs) it's a total flip so you need to get used to that and be able to deal with that and secondly i think it's the being able to logistically arrange uh, your project management and teams to be able to deal with these projects and the timelines that shift constantly and the sort of vagaries of the other delays of the other trades within these things because in a house it delays you it delays you but when a big MDU is delayed, then your impact on your resource is quite big. And being able to deal with that, you know. Each company will have to deal with that in their own way. But um, I don't think there's a, uh, a magic wand or a, one single answer to how to deal with it. It'll it'll be different to every company, and depending on how many people they have and so on.
1: You were going to say something.
0: I would say, oh, right, especially when there's delays and we're the last people on there and it's our fault. We're always the first
1: in, last out, yeah. <laughs> first in, uh, last it's, out. It's a struggle. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Awesome. And um, so for integrators out there thinking about MDE work, um, it's, it's a different business proposition as well as a different mindset and attitude, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's, yeah.
2: This is not, it's not a skill set necessarily. Technically, you could be able to do it, but with the rest of the business can support all the other things it's it's a difficult place i don't profess to being anything other than
1: that okay and if we're talking about the industry being um, much more diverse than it used to be you know top to bottom there's there's a whole range of businesses out there now being diverse i know a, a lot of integrators look at hotel restaurant work as being something they can get involved in as well have you got any experience doing that sort of stuff cornflake
0: um, boutique hotels we certainly get involved with um, anything up to I don't know, 100 rooms, maybe even less than that, 80 rooms. We'll get involved with hotel work for sure. Uh, restaurants, not so much. We haven't, we haven't really done any of that. But um, there's certainly certainly work to
1: be done in the hotel world. What's different in the hotel world for you than dealing with a one-off client?
0: Um, again, it's much more like working uh, in, in the MDU and commercial world. Um, but you're also looking at much more... Uh, difficult systems than just a single residence uh, especially if you're looking at really large video matrices there's quite an intricate part of work to do there Um, and the data backbone needs to be unbelievably secure Um, talking about service again with a hotel you know if something goes wrong you've got to be there on site sorted within two three hours um, so there's a level of, of servicing that you need to be able to ensure before you can actually get involved in that, that level of
1: work. What about Link media systems? You do quite a bit of work in hospitality, don't yeah, you? Yeah,
2: we, we do. And it's sort of um, an area that we've been focusing on for the last few years and we find worthwhile. And um, we certainly uh, do hotels from small boutiques through to large scale. So... I think the largest one we've done is about 350 rooms or something like that. But it, it, it's, it, we, we try and look through the hotel for all aspects, front of house, back of house, guest rooms, and all of that, and all the systems that go into it. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's an area we find interesting and intriguing yeah, and uh, actually quite um, fulfilling.
1: But similar as well in terms of the, the contracts, the payment schedules? Absolutely the same, yeah. Mm.
2: Okay. If anything, a little bit more driven because MDUs are slightly different to hospitality simply because MDUs are designed for a day-to-sale to somebody, whereas a hotel is going to be an operating entity at the end of our completion, and it's also going to be a maintained entity. MDUs, very rarely do we get maintenance because we don't know who's going to buy it, so a customer buying from a assist uh, apartment we've done might go to Henry to buy a day two system from because they've had a relationship with them. So that, that happens all the time. Yeah. But it's a hotel it's very different because we are actually designing a sit, uh, hotel from start to the day it opens and then follow on. It's a very long term yeah. journey for us. It's, it's, it's for the lifespan of the hotel if we do our job right.
1: One of the other things you mentioned that you're selling now that wasn't necessarily the case when you started off was data analytics. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it's
2: it's mostly relevant in commercial and hospitality spaces about space usage, crowd control, noise pollution, all of those things that our systems can give that information analytics to the facilities and the management of that hospitality or commercial facility to be able to deal with that. And that's not something us as an industry has ever done before, but it's an, it's an interesting part. And I certainly don't know if everybody looks at that, but we certainly see that as a quite a unique thing to offer in the, from the technology side.
1: And other services, uh, I know that Cornflake started off as a hi-fi shop, but AV and home cinema is a proportion of your business now, but there are other things that are are filling the gap on the projects.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean... As we all know, window treatments is such a huge proportion of residential properties now. Um, It's a lovely area to look at. Um, But as as I think we said at the top, anything that's running on IP is something we can control. So it's um, a
1: very exciting thing to be doing. So we're in a diverse market. Um, Lots of different customers out there, as we've talked about. What do you think are the biggest challenges facing integrators today?
0: The perceived danger to the industry, I think. Going back maybe one year was the advent of IoT devices and how that might affect the integrators' um, lifespan and how we, you know, how we compete with those with those big, big markets. Um, but I think you know, over the last year or so, we've realised that actually it's going to help us in the long run, um, especially by bringing consumer knowledge. Uh, uh, perhaps a lower level of what we do and understanding the intricacies and difficulty of what we do and it's actually given us a boost
2: rather than um, taken away our market space. Do you agree with that? Yeah absolutely and I think it's just sort of what you've said just triggered the idea that when the easy plug-and-play music systems were being touted around the industry as a whole thought oh god what are we gonna do but I think that plug-and-play business for a consumer who's going to do it himself, was never our customer. I think that's how we need to look at it and look at those products as things to enhance our systems. It may be a little less money than we would have liked to have made on it, but nonetheless, shouldn't discount it, but embrace it. When people ask us for those systems, don't say, you know, you can do it yourself. Say, yeah, sure. Definitely.
1: So when you're looking forward for the next two, three years, even further beyond that, what uh, what are you most concerned about? What are you planning for?
2: Planning for a good pipeline, I suppose, and okay. yeah. <laughs> <To laughs> work. I think is what everybody wants. <laughs> Make sure that you know you got work going forward, but also for us as a business to grow and for our people to grow as well alongside it. You know, making sure that our people have key roles and key positions to take part in a business. And I think that's quite integral to us. And we certainly consider uh, all our people that work for us as family. Yeah. And uh, because of who we are and because we have such a multicultural, London is a second home to them. So therefore, we are that surrogate family. And it does create a very good and amazing work place because of that relationship. People who work together seem to socialise together on their time off. They spend their weekends together, which is quite nice to see. And I certainly, it's not an experience I've had in the past. And certainly, see that more and more now. And I think it's just to keep growing that element of the, you know, the social side of our business as an entity to keep. So.
1: Yeah, I think technology changes have always been. I mean, you know, the iPad was meant to kill the the control system wasn't it at one point yeah, and sure the, the, the touch survived um the ipod was going to kill high quality music and in fact here we are at the home of high res audio and it's it's still with us today through tidal and everything else you know you can get good quality music can't you say
0: so, what well, people are buying more records now than than uh, they were in the last the last 30 years i believe it was
1: yeah Precisely. So I think there are there are technology changes, but I, th- I think what's interesting is what you talk about in terms of how, as a business, it's almost like it feels like it's grown up yep. th- the mm-hmm. industry. And running a business is now it's not a hobby anymore. Not a hobby, absolutely. And, and Most
2: um, businesses before was quite a lot of hobby. Wasn't it? People sort of had an interest in audio and got into opening a hi fi shop, and you know, it's things like that. I mean, you yourself, you know, when you said was a place that people came and had breakfast and had cornflakes. (laughs) That's not, that is a social hobby business. And it was, I'm sure, very fulfilling at the time. But I think just that it's changed now. And uh, we certainly still have those things where we'd like our clients to come and have a drink with us and, you know, have an evening or something. And, you know, that's quite an important element of it. But it's in a slightly different context. Yeah, much
1: more focused context. Yeah. Very good, thank you very much. Thank you Henry and Soan for your contributions and thanks to Meridian Audio for hosting us here today. Remember, we're available free on podcast platforms everywhere. If you're enjoying listening to what we have to say, then please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at IntHomePod, on Facebook and Instagram at Integrated Home and on LinkedIn at the Integrated Home Podcast. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of Meridian Audio, AWE and Sony. We are a Wildwood and Alfie Media production.